Alrighty, we're back. Your favorite podcast show of the week. It is Location Weekly. It's episode number 539, recording live on October the 18th. Uh, Brianna, how's it going? It's going good. Had a nice family relaxing weekend. And obviously, as we were just discussing, my Braves are playing pretty well so far. So uh, no complaints here. How's it going with you? Uh, you know, we we don't have baseball to uh, to watch here in Toronto. We're uh, it's on to hockey season, so you know the the Leafs are in action and they're they're doing okay so far. Um, so that's kind of what we're hanging our hats on is basketball and hockey right now. Um, but yeah, otherwise hanging in there. So good. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty, we have a good show for you. Four stories as usual that we wanted to walk you through, and I'll let Abriana start us off. All right, so let's talk about Old Spice, some really great uh, advertising campaigns that we, many of us, probably all of us have seen on their, you know, advertising on TV, um, always very memorable, you know, spokespeople and, and characters they come, come up with, but they are going um, now into Walmart with Snapchat. So they're using Snapchat codes to give shoppers this augmented reality experience within the store aisles. So they have an in-cap display that is there and it has, uh, you know, different body spray, lotion, the body wash, all of those different things. Um, And then they have a tagline, which is smell ready for anything. And it has a Snapchat code. What I thought was interesting is that, you know, um, Path to Purchase is the, the site that, you know, I got some of this information from and and their um, instituted editor visited one of these locations and said that the code was actually placed in a position where it was behind all the products, so nobody could actually see uh, the Snapchat code or the experience, which is kind of comical. Um, but you know what can happen if shoppers choose to engage in the aisle with an, you know a code? They can actually have this experience. Um, it unlocks this. AR experience based upon Old Spice's different uh, collections. There's four or five of them there. And there's corresponding settings like the beach or you know a field of flowers. And you can also encounter their spokesperson, Isaiah Mustafa. Um, so, you know, the, this has also been appearing across other, you know, other retailers as well. Um, and Old Spice had collaborated with Walmart last holiday season to give this exclusive launch for some of their um, other, you know, other, I guess, short term sense that they were they were launching and they had SKUs within the collection name that had the on pack um, Snapchat codes that they could use. So, you know, from my personal uh, point of view on this, which, you know, I don't usually uh, hold back too much, but I think this is kind of dumb, honestly. I don't know that anybody's going to be super excited about having an AR experience while they're shopping in the middle of the Walmart aisles. I mean, going to Walmart is an experience on its own. You don't really need to have anything to augment that. Um, And I think it's also a waste of technical resources. The creation of these experiences, I think would be much better served in just a Snapchat filter or an AR experience that you could have right there. everyone not necessarily somebody in the aisle who actually takes the time to see the tagline and the snap code on your end cap um also i think that there's a lot of other opportunities right now like you've got halloween right uh perhaps people are feeling more comfortable with you know how things are going to go out to a costume party or dress up why didn't they do something around that right 
Um, you know, I think there's, there was a lot of opportunity for better experiences um, and even just focusing through SNAP and not bringing it into the retailers specifically. So to me, this is kind of a loss. Um, you know, the on-pack SNAP codes is even a better application than in the store. I'm not sure how many people are taking it home and actually deciding they're going to have this AR experience with their body wash, but, you know, it's... <laughs> I guess I applause that they're trying to be creative, but to me, it's a bit of a mess. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I think it's, I, I like that they're trying to do something and there's some creativity here and, and that they're teaming up with Snapchat and they're trying to do something in store. But I think at the end of the day, like we're still a little bit kind of in that, you know, phase where, you know, most people, at least, at least people I know, um, you know, if I'm going into the pharmacy or, you know, the Walmart or the whatever, you know, to pick, to buy deodorant or whatever it is I'm doing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm there just to grab the thing off the shelf and get out as quickly as I can, right? Like, you know, just pick up the items I need and I'm out. Like, I'm not there to have an augmented reality experience, you know, around my deodorant. Like, that's just not, you know, what I'm thinking about. And, and I don't think that there's anything that you're going to do to make that something that I'm going to take extra time when we're in a time starved, you know, sort of world as it is to go and do that. Like that just doesn't seem to make sense to me. So, you know, I'm, I like that they're trying something. I like that they're working with Snap, you know, on this and, you know, playing with these codes and trying to create something experiential, but I don't think experiential in this category is the right, is the right fit for this. If this was, Hey, I'm walking into, you know, a Gucci store, you know, where I'm actually going to spend some time or browse or whatever the case might be, you know, some kind of luxury goods or, you know, something, you know, I'm shopping for a car or whatever it is I'm doing, those types of experiences make more sense, right? And I think you can do these kinds of things more in an offline e-com social world and have impact, like, you know, using something like Snap that you don't necessarily aren't going to have in the store. So as much as I love you know, creating location-based experiences, I don't think this is a good, you know, a good one. Um, so I'm with you on that. Yep. All right. So that's our, our first story. Moving on to our second story. So right here at home for me in Toronto, uh, just this past weekend, it was uh, on the 16th and 17th of October, was a, um, a little fun experience. I didn't have a chance to go down and participate in it, but it was called Toronto Art Heist. And so essentially, um, somebody came up with this great idea of, you know, how can we get people out into the physical world and, and, you know, exposing, you know, art and history and kind of making all these things come together. And so they created this like sort of real world scavenger hunt around art pieces. And so there's 16 art pieces over two days spanning a 10 kilometer area. And essentially, like you go around, you know, there's an app uh, that you use to do this called Scavify. And, uh, you know, you're kind of going around and, and you're kind of finding these different hidden pieces of art. Um, and there are different challenges and skill testing questions about the art that you're seeing along the way. You use geolocation to check in at each piece and then it unlocks like, you know, these new um experiences as you're there but the goal is is to get you know through the whole you know the whole experience and see all the different pieces in total there's 48 challenges that you complete along the way um, and the idea is is to 
let people experience and, and be aware of, you know, just art that's just out there in our community, you know, already, like not like this is some installed art exhibit, this is stuff that's just there all the time that people might not be aware of that might just be passing by. Um, you know, or some historical site that might be, you know, uh, you know, have some some something of interest to tell us uh, about the past or whatever the case might be. So I think it's pretty cool, um, you know, that somebody's put a lot of effort into this, created this experience, set it up on a, you know, a certain, you know, uh, weekend um, and, you know, done some promotion around this to get people out and moving and experiencing their city uh, in a new way. So I, I love it. I think, you know, if you're in tourism or anything like that, uh, you know, these are the kinds of things that you need to be thinking about to kind of get get uh, people moving again and experiencing uh, cities and, and communities again. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I like this. I like this story a lot. I think it sounds like a really fun date night, actually. Um, something just to go and experience and, um, you know, something that you kind of get to decide on how you approach it on, on your terms. But um, I like the idea that there are certain like quests and things that you can unlock and ex and and go through it that way. So um, I think that part sounds really really interesting. And uh, it's funny because this weekend was actually our art festival here in the area of New York where I am, and I did not attend sadly. But uh, you know, at this phase in my life, like kids, sports, and and family stuff seem to take over. But I, I think it would have been amazing if there was this type of an accompaniment with that festival, right? So you're experiencing um, all the different art pieces, local artists, and, you know, kind of moving through a city, like you said, but also just experiencing your own community. I think these are the types of experiences and scavenger hunts that make things fun. And there's not, you know, it's kind of a one and done where you can kind of create different um different, like you said, different scavenger hunts, but they don't necessarily need to be redone and recreated every week or every month or with every new scent in essence, right? You kind of can just have something that's there and, you know, people can take their time to enjoy it. So I like that idea. I think it brings a lot of value to people who maybe don't understand the art or not, you know, very well versed in, in various types of art. Um, to kind of get that understanding as well as just have a fun time and unique experience um, seeing it. So I like that story a lot. All right, so on to something kind of simple, which, you know, is, is QR codes and using them for payments. Um, we actually sort of have a first here that United Airlines is going to be using PayPal QR codes for in-flight payments, part of their contactless payment effort. And they are the first airline to, to do this. And they are rolling this out. I think it's um, starting this month or starting next month in November. So it'll be available on some flights, probably um, outbound from Chicago O'Hare. And you can use a, it's a PayPal QR code to buy snacks and other items. Um, and supposedly it will not have the need to have Wi-Fi uh, available or enabled, which I think is obviously the most important piece of this. How that works, I don't know. You know, interesting to find that out. But um, they can be used on, you know, these select flights and they want to extend this to flights across the entire network, um, you know, over a certain period of time by the end of the year. They're saying, and uh, I, you know, I, I like this. I think this is pretty simple, but 
What I really don't enjoy is the experience of wanting to have a glass of wine on a flight or buy a snack on a flight and they don't accept cash, right? You have to pay with a, a credit card. So it's a very uh, manual process a lot of times, like where you've got to actually physically hand over a credit card. They have to swipe it and then they come back. And then if you need a receipt, you need to input your information. It is definitely far from contactless. And it just takes away, I think, from the flight experience as well as the amount of effort that all of the attendants who are working these flights, it's already complicated enough. And now they've got to take, you know, payments, either make the stuff free or figure out a, a better and more seamless way to allow consumers to pay for it while they're on the flights. So I think this is a step in the right direction. Um, you know, I would love to know the ins and outs of like, do I have to prepare or prepay or choose my food or items before I get on the flight? Because there is no Wi-Fi. I'm not sure. But I, I do think that this is certainly a better experience than what I just described. So, um, you know, I like the idea of storing this payment information in a digital wallet, being able to apply it later, but I wanna see airlines do more and do better. Um, and it should be really, really simple, even just like ordering from, you know, their app or something like that. It should be super seamless. So it's good that they're taking a small step in the right direction, but what do you think? Yeah, I mean, QR codes are everywhere now, right? Like, and you know, for menus to COVID stuff to payments to whatever. I mean, you know, everybody's you know uh, using them in some form or fashion, right? And and I think for what I like about this story is the fact that they're they're looking at technologies, you know, to solve a problem in a post-COVID world where people are concerned about you know, germs and touching things and, you know, paying with cards and swiping things and all the things that we're, you know, we normally would do on a plane, right? So I like that they're kind of, you know, utilizing the technology to kind of facilitate, you know, that part of, of a transaction. So, you know, how that manifests specifically, is it integrated into the United app ultimately uh, in some way? Seems like the, the logical thing to do, you know, can you use points, you know, from your loyalty? program to, you know, subsidize or pay for those items, you know, still using the, the QR code to, you know, drive the transaction. You know, I have lots of questions uh, about, you know, ways to make this more convenient and seamless uh, for the user. Um, to your point, like, is it, you know, or, you know, do you get on and, and these, you know, there's a certain amount of prepaid, you know, you get a drink and you get a snack and you get a something, I don't know, uh, you know, how that all works that seems to make sense to me, like, especially when you're trying to, I know these guys are like, you know, have lost a ton of money as an industry, but I think, you know, when you're trying to recover an industry, you need to actually be almost going the other way right now, which is how are we going to bring people back. Right. And so I think, if, you know, this, the, you know, as somebody like yourself who pre COVID, we were traveling every week or every other week, whatever, um, you know, I look at those kinds of things and say, okay, what, what's it going to, you know, what are some of the things that make it attractive to start to ramp up again and get back out there and do those things again. Right. Um, and so, you know, I'd be looking at some of that. And so, you know, do we apply these, these kinds of QR code technologies in a way that, you know, is, is there some sort of menu that's brought up on, on the TV screen, you know, or something like that? Uh, that each item has a QR code beside it or something. How does that work, right? Like, um, you know, and, and how, how do we actually drive, you know, selection and choice and, and, and transaction? So 
I have more questions than I have answers, but, but I like that they're trying to do something that at least takes away that, you know, sort of touch piece of it. All right. For sure. On to our final story. So we'll jump over to Korea now, uh, where there's a mall called Starfield Hanum. Uh, and they, you know, as a lot of these malls over in, uh, in the Asia Pacific region do, they're heavily invested in, you know, digital signage and screens throughout these environments that are kind of just part of the mall and the fabric of the makeup of these malls. So they have a 22 meter tall LED video tower in the central atrium of the mall. And they built this sort of running art piece um, that uh, is kind of targeted at, you know, sort of environmental consciousness and awareness around conserving energy and so on. And uh, so one of the things that's kind of cool about it uh, is it's not just an art installation that you can walk by and look at is it's actually interactive in that you can use your mobile device to uh, connect with the content on the screen uh, and essentially um, control the, the, the light switch, they call it. So you have the ability to switch off the power uh, on, on, on the content that's on the screen, not actually switching the screen off, of course, but you're switching off, you know, what is appearing on the screen into something else. And, and the idea of it is, is that it, it, it's, it's sort of showing you this image of a resurrection of earth, uh, being displayed, um, you know, and that something as trivial or as simple as turning off a light can save our planet. And that's kind of the message that they're going for. So you have the ability to turn off the lights and you can see the earth get reborn. Um, in this sort of, um, you know, imagery that's that, that's displayed, right? Um, so I think it's kind of cool. It's kind of creative. I like that there's an interactivity piece that people can play with it. I could see, like, if I had, especially if I had little kids, well, even my kids now would probably do it. But, you know, I, I could see little kids, you know, you go to the mall and, you know, they want to play with that thing and, and, and see them having an impact on what's on that screen. Um, but the messaging behind it, I think, is strong. It's It's cool. What are your thoughts? No, I agree. I think you kind of touched on all the sentiments. It, again, it's like, I think the setting here in the middle of a mall versus in the middle of an aisle in a busy store is a very different experience, right? People tend to go to the mall for exploration and discovery, and they're kind of walking around. And a lot of times it's a hangout place, right, for younger um, you know, younger people, at least it used to be, I don't know if it still is, especially maybe in Korea. Um, but my guess is yes. And so I think that it does have like, obviously it has the meaningful purpose behind it, but it also is in a place where people are more willing to interact with something like that. So I think that makes sense, um, versus being in the middle of a situation where people are really just trying to get in and out. So I think the story is good. You know, it is, Again, one of those things that you're hopeful that the the impact from it is is taken because obviously that's a lot of installation and moving parts that had to come together to create this experience. Um, but overall, yeah, this is these are the types of of interactive experiences that make much more sense than what we talked about, you know, where we started the show. So closing it on a better note for sure. <laughs> Yeah, which is always the best way to end, right? On a positive note. So, um, and, and, you know, these are issues that are really important, right? Like we all need to be concerned about, you know, not just what we're doing today, but, you know, the future yeah, for our kids and our planet and, and these kinds of things. So uh, I'm glad, 
you know, to see. I, I'm always happy when I see examples like that. So, all right. Well, that's our show for this week. Episode number 539 in the books. Thank you for listening and watching. We appreciate your time. Uh, please reach out to us if you have story ideas uh, or feedback. Give us some love on whatever platform you consume this or social media. And we'll see you next week with uh, another show. Have a great week, everybody. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you.